Hello and welcome to the Victorian Gas Lamp, the podcast shining a warm light on the 19th century and most notably throughout the reign of Her Majesty Queen Victoria. Episode 30, Someone Call a Doctor. First, a little housekeeping before I start. This is episode 30 of the podcast and will be the last one for this year. I'm going to be taking some time off to really get into some research, catch up on all the books I have to read and episodes I have to write over summertime here in Australia. It all takes time, but I will be back sometime in 2022. I know some of you are devastatingly disappointed, (laughs) but trust me, this episode is definitely worth going out on. Many of the people that I have covered so far are well known to history, famous for their family, for their achievements on the battlefield, or for their amazing buildings that have stood through time and that we can visit today. Then there are those that change the world, and many of us never even realize it and they change it in some obvious ways and also set an example that can inspire us. Dr James Barry was born in County Cork in 1789. James was the child of Jeremiah and Mary Ann Bulkley. I'll keep calling him Dr James momentarily for keeping the names straight because Mary Ann's brother was also named James and was an Irish artist and professor of painting at London's Royal Academy, so he was no slouch in the art department. Now, Dr James' father, Jeremiah, ran the Wayhouse in Merchant's Quay in Cork. He was Catholic and as a result of the ongoing religious issues in Ireland, he was naturally dismissed from this post man that wasn't good with money, Jeremiah soon found himself in Marshall Sea Prison due to his mounting debts. Dr. James also had a brother, John, who wasn't able to help with the finances either, and thus their father had gone to prison. And it also should be noted that records show that there was a third child, a girl named Juliana. Even with all of this chaos at home, Dr. James's parents had hopes of creating a future for their child. Firstly, they tried getting James in to being a tutor, which was a position that could create a lifetime career amongst the rich families of Ireland or England, but positions were scarce. From what records exist, it appears then that between Jeremiah and Marianne's connections, and also the brother James's connections, they managed to get teenage Dr. James to enter medical school. So it was on the 30th of November, 1809, ironically 202 years ago from the date I actually record this, there's a coincidence, this is when our soon-to-be Dr. James Barry entered medical school at the University of Edinburgh. James was short, had a high-pitched voice, delicate features and smooth skin, and it therefore made many of his counterparts suspect that he was younger than he said he was. But lying about your age was not an uncommon practice in those days. 
if it could get you out of an economically difficult position, many happily lied about their age. You did need food on the table after all. And let's face it, they didn't have social media to see that you might be lying anyway. His youth was even brought into question by his examiners at the university. However, the Earl of Buchan, a friend of Dr. James's uncle, James, convinced the university board to let him do the exams. And it was in 1812 that James Barry became Dr. James Barry and qualified as an MD. He then moved back to London and he passed the exams of the Royal College of Surgeons of England in 1813. Later that year, Barry was commissioned in the British Army and by 1815 had been promoted to assistant surgeon to the forces, which was a position equivalent to being a lieutenant. 1816 found Barry in Cape Town, South Africa, where, thanks to his benefactor, the Earl of Buchan, he was carrying a letter of introduction to the governor, Lieutenant General Lord Charles Henry Somerset. It really is nice to have well-connected friends, isn't it? Reportedly, the governor's daughter was sick, and in being able to successfully treat her, Barry was quickly welcomed into the family and became the governor's personal physician. Because like our old mate Horatio Nelson, nothing spells success and career promotion like unmitigated success. But the best was yet to come for Barry. He stayed in South Africa, and why not? Because he certainly had the contacts in the halls of power now. And so it was in 1822 that he was made the Colonial Medical Inspector. I couldn't find out what the military rank was as an equivalent, but this was regarded as a huge leap in career and completely unexpected given the jump from his former position. And Barry took full advantage of that promotion. No, not like we would normally expect. In his time working in Africa, James Barry sought improvements in sanitation and water supplies. Now, I'm sure you all know just how important that can be, given how many times in the past I've mentioned cholera and the devastating effects it's had on the population in London. James Barry was also involved in improving conditions for slaves, prisoners, and the mentally ill throughout the community. He had even created a sanctuary for lepers to be able to live a life safely and in peace. Naturally, this support of the lower classes led to those in more socially elevated positions objecting to people being treated equally. Hmm. But thanks to the position Barry held, there was little that these people could do. And it was during this time in South Africa that James Barry performed an incredible medical feat. Because Dr. James Barry, well, he performed the first known successful caesarean section birth in history where both the mother and the child survived. The name of the operation may come from Julius Caesar, who was reportedly born by this method, but throughout history, no one had at least on record, performed this medical practice and saved both the mother and the child. And yet, thanks to his talent as a surgeon, James Barry did. 
I couldn't find a specific date, but this occurred sometime around 1820. The family never forgot Barry's achievement, and the child was named James Barry Munnick. This name continued being carried throughout the family and culminated in James Barry Munnick Herzog being born in 1866. JBM Herzog later became the third Prime Minister of South Africa and to this day remains the only South African Prime Minister to have served under three monarchs, George V, Edward VIII and Queen Elizabeth's father, George VI. Amazing how one little thing can change history, or future I guess, depends on where you're looking at this from. And it was in 1827 that Barry received a further promotion, becoming the surgeon to the forces and was then posted to Mauritius in 1828. Not a bad place to spend your time I'm sure, but in 1829 Barry went AWOL. That's absent without leave. Why? Well, because his former boss, Lord Somerset, had fallen ill. Barry skipped Mauritius for England and remained there until 1831, when sadly Somerset died. Firstly, he received no formal repercussions for doing this, which just goes to show, as always, it's who you know, not what you know. Skipping town to help one of the upper class might have been seen as technically illegal, but in the network of the upper classes, I'm sure you can understand why Barry was let go unpunished. After Somerset's passing, Barry returned to service and was posted to Jamaica and then later St. Helena. During his time on St. Helena, there was some sort of conflict with another army surgeon and it resulted in a court-martial for James Barry. The charge was conduct unbecoming of the character of an officer and a gentleman, which I am sure you can understand was an appalling accusation in this time and place. But fortunately for us learning all of this, James Barry was found not guilty. The case resulted in him being honourably acquitted and allowed to go back to his work. Barry then went on to serve throughout the West Indies and was again promoted to Principal Medical Officer. 1845 saw Barry contracting yellow fever and going home to England on sick leave and then in 1846 returning to duty in Malta. Again, his work must have been of a high standard because the good doctor was transferred to Corfu in 1851 and went there with a promotion to Deputy Inspector General of Hospitals, which was around the same rank as being a Lieutenant Colonel. Denied a position in the Crimea during the war there, Dr. Barry actually went there on his leave. I guess for some people, their work is their life, and while there, he reportedly had some sort of confrontation with the legendary Florence Nightingale. While this event does stand out given who he had the confrontation with, it should be noted that James Barry was known as being notoriously short-tempered and prone to arguing with patients, colleagues and even his superior officers. I have even read that he was involved in a duel of some sort, although details are scant. He obviously survived. But being a man known for having such a disposition, it should come as no surprise that he had some sort of argument with the mother of modern nursing. Uh, 
Despite these confrontations, it was in 1858 that confirmation of his promotion to Inspector General of Hospitals came through. This was the equivalent of being a Brigadier General and was the highest position that could be held by a medical officer in the army. And throughout his career, being argumentative or otherwise, Dr. Barry had continued to not only provide for his own patients, but also for those people in the places he was assigned. Better food, sanitation and medical care for locals as well as military prisoners were hallmarks of his career. The argumentative nature I mentioned before was often used in the cause of those he saw as underprivileged or suffering unnecessarily. He was also, and this is unusual for the time, a vegetarian and did not drink alcohol. He was also known as being a distant person, not really having many personal relationships and preferring the company of his beloved poodle, Psyche. Having reached the pinnacle of his medical career, it was in 1865, however, that Dr. James Barry contracted dysentery and sadly died. Most information I have read on this lists his date of death as the 25th of July, but on photos of his tombstone, it's listed as the 15th. I'm not able to find a reason as to why this is the case. Dr. Barry had requested that he simply be buried in the clothes that he had died in. No autopsy, no cleaning of the body, just wanting to be buried. This wish was not actually followed, however, and the nurse preparing his body made two amazing discoveries. Dr. James Barry was a woman and given the stretch marks on her body, had also had a child. So there you go. Now I'm sure that came as a surprise to many of you. James had been born Margaret Anne Bulkley. Now there's no indication or evidence that Margaret identified as male, but it's certainly possible that she may have seen herself as a himself. But that's also a judgment made from our modern perspective and understanding of gender identities. It may just very well have been that Margaret had chosen to live as a man because of the opportunities it gave her that she would never have had as a woman. The general consensus is that the younger sister I mentioned earlier, Juliana, was actually Margaret's, possibly the result of an assault or a socially scandalous relationship. Margaret's uncle James had a group of influential friends and it appears that they colluded to enable Margaret to enter medical school and that James, the younger if you like, was born. Margaret, also known as Dr. James Barry, maintained that identity for 56 years. Researchers found a letter written by James to his solicitor asking that any letters addressed to Margaret Bulkley be redirected to her aunt Marianne. Marianne was actually Margaret's mother and the letter had been signed by James Barry. 
But for his own records, the solicitor had written on the back that the letter had come from Miss Bulkley, thus confirming Margaret and James were the same person to those that investigated later on. James Barry kept his identity to himself for 56 years, so in respect of that, I'm not going to speculate further. I think it's better to remember the good doctor's legacy. Throughout a long and distinguished career, Dr. James Barry not only served with exemplary distinction in military service, but also sought to improve the lives of everyone around him. And that's quite a legacy for someone who also got to live their life the way that they wanted and achieved the goals that they wanted to achieve. So raise a glass and toast the good doctor and all that he achieved. So here endeth the episode. Thank you to everyone that has written in and made suggestions or commented on the Instagram account. As I said, I'm open to suggestions as always. And you can find me at victoriangaslamp.com. You can, of course, email me, victoriangaslamp at gmail.com. Twitter, not on there so much, but it is at vicgaslamp. And my Instagram account is just simply victoriangaslamp. I like to post there pretty regularly and I'll continue to do so. Just little fun Victorian facts and keep in touch with your ideas as to what you'd like to see on future episodes. I hope you all have a wonderful festive season. Remember, it was the Victorian era and mainly Charles Dickens that gave us the Christmas traditions that we have today. I'll be returning in 2022, so I'll be looking forward to seeing you next time under the gas lamp. Gas lamp.